Welcome to another episode of Dinner at Our Place. I'm Steve Pierce, your host as always, and as always, I am joined by my lovely wife, Jesse. Jesse, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am really excited. Well, I'm, I'm sad and I'm excited. Why are you sad? Well, I'm sad because today was election day in Virginia, and I went and voted for Tom Perriello, who did not end up winning the Democratic primary, but still very excited to support Ralph Northam, the eventual winner in November. Um, but I'm also, even though I'm sad, I'm really excited because I found out that Lord has been running a secret Instagram about <laughs> onion rings. So Okay, I did not believe that this was true, but it is. It's not like a weird onion article. No, it, she actually has been running a secret Instagram where she rates and reviews onion rings, which is the most amazing thing the internet could ever give to me. That is real life. It's, ma- it's, it's keeping me alive uh, at this time, which is really great. That's so funny. I thought you were going to say you were super excited because of the guests we have on the podcast. Ah, oh, that's a great segue, Jesse. So we do have, as we as we are wont to do from time to time, we do have uh, some friends of the pod ready to join us tonight. Uh, Jess and Michael Barnes, some of our dear, dear friends, longtime friends of the pod, uh, are with us. Jess and Michael, how are you guys? We're great. Yep, doing well. We're big friends of the pod. Excited big. to be here. I am so happy they're on tonight. Like, I am... Je- Probably the most excited I've ever been for an episode. As angry as Jesse got during that episode where we talked about healthcare, she's equally as excited right now. <laughs> I'm so excited. Well, she's like we- sitting on the edge of her seat and like and like making weird motions with her hands. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, we- I'm super excited because I feel like Jess and Michael were our first real couple friends that we met after we got married. Don't you agree? In D.C., yes. Well, no, because even when we lived in Utah, we were friends with people that we knew before we got That's married. That's true. But like, then we moved to D.C., and we met Jess and Michael the first week we moved here, and they were like the first people that we met together, married, and they're just some of my favorite people. Yeah. So flattered. Yeah. <laughs> you so, should be. <laughs> I guess it makes sense because the story of how we met is Can how I we actually met these tell guys it? is pretty is pretty great. Oh my gosh, Michael Barnes, you are the best for many reasons, and this is one of them. It's all thanks to you. So we were at church our first Sunday here, and we walked out of church. Was it really our first Sunday? It was our first Sunday. Wow. And we walked out. Did you guys move here the same week we did? I think it might have been a week or two before you guys. Oh, but so you had been here for a bit time. before. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it was our first Sunday here that we um, were walking out of church, and all of a sudden, this crazy man, like, chases you down to our car, and he goes, hi, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he said something like, hi, did you used to play basketball at 24-Hour Fitness? That sounds right so far. <laughs> and Steve looked very confused and very caught off guard and very, like, who is this weirdo? And he was like, yeah. And then I don't even know what happened after that. I think that's like when I blacked out from weirdness. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. Who is this guy that like just chased us down in the parking lot at church? But I am so But that's a great foundation to build a relationship on, which is pick up basketball. The greatest of all relationship foundations. (laughs) But can I out you? Can I out you for the reason why he remembered Oh, Steve needs to be outed for this. (laughs) So then... Because I don't chase down just anybody. Good later, maybe we were over at your house eating... I remember you guys had us over for burgers shortly after we met. And anyway, we were over at your house and we were talking about why you remembered Steve. And you said it was because he was the one that swore a lot. Oh. Dun, dun. In Provo, Utah, especially at 24 Hour Fitness, 
there are those who swear and those who don't. Steve was in the former category. (laughs) None of this should really be surprising to anybody. No, it's not surprising. But I think it's funny that Michael, I mean, now that I know Michael, I'm not surprised that he remembered because he remembered, like he's, but I will add that that you, you swore very appropriately (laughs) at the right times (laughs) under the right circumstances. So if you're going to do it anyway, Steve, you are the template for which we should all follow. Oh, that's, that's what I aim for. It's, it's funny because now I run the, uh, the Wednesday night game at our, at our, at our local church. And I am like the vigilant uh, policer of the no swearing rule because somebody has to enforce it. So the tables have now completely turned, which is interesting. Well, I'm glad you swore because that means Michael remembered you and we would have never maybe met them as soon or become as good of friends with you guys had that not happened. So it all happened for a reason. It all worked out. But then we were... I mean, we. I feel like we hit it off with you guys right away, and we were yeah. friends the whole year you lived here, and then you left us, sadly, for New York for, like, what, two? Two, two years. years? Two years. And now they're back in Baltimore, which I wish was a little bit closer to us, but we'll take what we can get. It's yeah. Better, better than New York. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just glad that Steve chose the swearing route versus, like... The guy at 24 who takes their shirt off and <laughs> loves every minute of it. Like, I'm just really glad that Steve did not choose to join that camp. Always skins, bro. Always <laughs> skins. <laughs> so we've, we've known the Barnes for quite a long time. And one of the things that I think is my favorite things about our friendship, uh, which kind of sets us up for where we want what we, the first topic we want to talk about uh, with you guys is that... Michael, I have a long history of getting Michael obsessed with particular things. Whether Great you mean things. to or not. I, I almost never mean to. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever meant to. But I don't think I knew when we first started, became friends, how kind of obsessive a personality Michael has. He, he, when you get into something, you really, really get Which into it. Which is a it. good thing. Like you don't, you don't go halfway. I, 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 I usually don't like to do that. No, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. And so I've, there have been n- a number of things, which probably to Jess's chagrin, uh, <laughs> I have unwittingly gotten Michael obsessed with. First, I think it was, it was Twitter. Then it was the Oklahoma City Thunder. Pause on the Thunder. Jess, Michael, did you guys see the picture of Russell Westbrook's baby? Of course I did. I follow him on the, Instagram purely because of Steve. Did you see the Steve. one? Did you did you see the one month picture of their little baby today that is like a little mini Russell? It looks exactly like him. It's exactly like if you like cut him. off his face and put it on a baby. It yeah. is so creepy. And of course, whenever I now see anything Thunder or Russell Westbrook related, I think of both of you guys. Of course. And then the third thing that I got him into was, much to Jess's chagrin, was yes. the television show The League, which he is now... I watched The League, which is a comedy show, or was a comedy show on FX, which is a little bit raunchy. Um, I watched it like once and thought, oh, this is like, this is funny. It's about sports. It's, it's, it's interesting. Michael would like it. And so I told Michael to watch it, not realizing that not only would he watch it, he would watch it like, how many times? Like six times, Look. Michael, you've watched it now? I don't even think the he numbers could count. get fuzzy. Yep, Do you, yeah. we have you don't no own idea. it. You just watch it online, right? Yeah, yeah, Netflix. Okay, we could probably get that data from Netflix if we needed. To. <laughs> <laughs> now I will I add am that all so of those. Sorry, Jess. I'm so yeah, sorry. I, and by the way, 
Mm-hmm. Don't just say sorry. She's gotten mad at me for every single one of those reasons. I've been banished from Twitter. Yes. I've been banished from watching the league when she's in the home. Yes. I have been told that I watch too many NBA games. Correct. Rightfully so. those so. were all great influences on me, I not owe, so much I for owe Jess. Them all to Steve. Thank you, Steve. But Jess, to, I cannot believe you're still friends with us. But they brought, <laughs> they, they brought, I mean, they brought so much happiness. It's true. I, that's what I, that's my goal in life is to bring happiness and spread joy to everybody that I meet. Yep. Well, luckily, the 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 next obsession that we're going to talk about tonight is I feel like not as bad as the other ones. Yeah, right? that's right. I hope so. I mean, I hope so. So a couple a couple of weeks ago, um, we got a text from our friends the Barnes saying that they were in Nashville, Tennessee. And that they had happened across, as one does in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, had happened across some country music, and they were, I think, intrigued, right? Was that kind of where, where you were at? We, Did you like it? Yeah, we made a promise to Michael's sister that we would try out some country music radio while we were in Nashville, because neither of us have ever liked country. So we gave it a shot, you but, know, but went by to that, Nashville. By give it a shot. I, I, I told myself that we would listen to nothing but country yeah. while we were to go like <laughs> yeah, we all went, in we went all full experience. <laughs> we went so all in. So you just listened to like top 40 country radio? Yes. yes. Yep, nonstop okay. for like five days. And I texted you, Jesse, that we had heard a Sam Hunt song. And I knew that you liked Sam Hunt, but I had never listened to him. And we loved that Sam Hunt song, and that sparked the, you know... Go on. <laughs> what has happened since? <laughs> Sam Hunt. We could talk about Sam Hunt all night. Sam Hunt has sparked happy. a lot of things on, <laughs> in people on this podcast <laughs> in a lot of different ways. Oh, I love Sam. We could, but and I was so excited when I got that text from you guys because I've talked about Sam Hunt. Michael has very specific music tastes and you always kind of give us... I don't know how to say You don't give us crap for, like, not listening to what you like, but you're very specific and you like what you like. And so I which feel like... Which is namely Lord Huron. <laughs> which is, like, that weird Brooklyn stuff you found when you lived there and, like, you, like... Our hipster face. You turned into a weird hipster for a while there. But, um... So we've talked about country music, and I feel like you've always kind of written it off, Michael, and you've never really liked it. So when I got that Sam Hunt text from you guys, I was so excited. And so we immediately turned around and, like immediately made a playlist for you guys with what probably 40 50 songs yeah, 40 uh, 43 I think, I think 43 is the exact number songs. um some of our favorite country hits right now and when i i have to preface this by saying we do not listen to like the purest country we no, are like no, the we're pop very... we're pop country dirty listeners. pop <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, so we made you a playlist of like our favorite songs that might be on the radio right now or maybe were like 6 months ago and it was so fun to put together that play, playlist for you guys it took us like a whole night and we no, were you guys, no, no, guys to us in like 30 this, minutes it was shocking how fast you got us this playlist okay we did it because because we started it right away and we were going back and forth about what we should include and what we shouldn't include and would the barns like this and i was convinced that michael would hate all of it but i was wrong i know uh, i know michael we knew that you <laughs> we knew or at least knowing Jesse we knew that as soon as Jesse knew that we were giving country music a try uh, and that would include Sam Hunt, that you would then take it very seriously and give us the best possible playlist you could possibly build. 
So we well, knew that as soon as we got it that we were dealing with gold. Dealing with gold. That is nice of you to say. <laughs> I think Steve was more picky than I was. Cause well, you got a, only the best. He man. only wanted to be yeah. the best. Only good experiences. That's what I am for with my friends. <laughs> so now that you've been like country music, uh, at least, no, I don't know if we could say fans yet or, or what. I guess we'll find out. Now that you've been listening to country music for like three weeks or so, um, which is, you know, a lifetime. Uh, what are kind of, what's your, what's your take? Are you in, are you out? What are kind of your general thoughts on, on country music? Oh boy. Um, (laughs) very, very controversial, um, (laughs) to say the least. Well, first of all, I, I have to say that previous to Nashville, I have not listened to a country song at one time for perhaps longer than 30 seconds. Except for... Dixie Chicks, Wide Open Spaces. Oh, For some reason, both album. of us loved that that's album. That's a great that's album. That's it. That's it's the a great only song. one we've ever listened to. The yeah. whole album is whole fantastic. Album. But I would add that I did not listen to it by choice. So <laughs> I, I have not used my own agency to actively choose country music. And I, I honestly thought four weeks ago that I never would in my entire life. And I was totally happy with that decision. So but. Nashville was a big, this is a big deal. I mean, like, I, I like to think that I like a lot of different kinds of music, uh, literally almost any kind of music except for country, and that all changed. So you went to Nashville, you got the playlist, and <sighs> you have hot takes, Michael. You have very, very hot well, takes. I well, I will say that when we turned the radio on, uh, nine out of ten songs were just regrettable, just, <laughs> just really, like, I, I, I was just puzzled that people turn the dial to a station, endure not just commercials, but really every <laughs> single song in between, and and like, literally enjoy that experience. I, I like did not what? get it at first. Like what songs are like the worst of the worst? <sighs> oh boy. Um, My, My Girl. Girl. Okay. And if anyone knows My Girl. We hated that song. Well, everyone should, but we did. <laughs> and it was on constantly. It was on constantly. Yeah. At one point, he says, like, my girlfriend raps to Eminem songs. <laughs> and, so, like, and so, like, I didn't understand because every single country song, they're, like, literally playing out sentence by sentence something that's actively happening within their eyesight or they're doing. So, like, it's you can make it. Storytelling, yeah, Michael. We didn't, we didn't realize <laughs> how told, much of it is storytelling. How literal I, it is. I could yeah. literally write a write a country song about like eating cereal in the morning from picking up the spoon to putting it in the bowl to collecting the milk. And like, <laughs> I, I, I'm listening. I'm like, I just, where does this end? Where does this okay. go? Well, we, we won't play just, just to respect Michael's wishes. We won't play a clip of my girl by Dylan Scott, but since spare like, the audience, since we had kind of started this country music conversation, there's been a long running text chain between the four of us, which is mostly populated by Michael's extremely hot takes on whatever country song he seems to be listening to at the moment. I said and, it was very controversial. Well, yeah. let's preface this by saying Jess did start the whole chain by saying, as a general rule, don't take anything Michael says on this thread seriously. Well, yes. it's, it seems to me like he's pretty serious about <laughs> but it. But he does seem to be pretty serious. Michael but I did love Jess. is all about getting reactions from people. But so, there's so, Never noticed that. It's so, it's so awesome when you're the one that gets to like enjoy his hilariousness. So well, what did Michael have to say well, about? For, first, I, I shared my, my feelings, which are mixed at best. Um, uh, Jess, what would be totally honest? Um, well, yeah, I, there was a bunch of songs that I hated too. Like 
my girl or the, and I felt my feminist side coming out a lot while listening to country music. Um, all this objectifying women that it was a, some of it was a little hard. But then I listened to Body Like a Back Road and I didn't <laughs> Which is really, a very objectifying I didn't really song. care yeah. anymore about that. <laughs> no. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. His we intentions play? were good. Yeah. Should we play okay uh, we do have to revisit Dylan Scott real quick, and then we have to play Body Like a Back Road Probably. for everyone listening because it's so good. But what did Michael have to say about Dylan Scott and the song um, My Girl? Uh, I quote, Any song that comes remotely close to My Girl by Dylan Scott is my line in the sand. That song is my Wi-Fi signal of hell. The closer within range a song gets to my girl, the more I feel like I'm in music hell. It's my musical purgatory. After I heard the song on the radio, I felt like I committed a high school sin. End quote. End quote. Michael, you said that, and it's hilarious and true. Well, allow the audience to judge the songs for themselves, but personally, I stand by my texts 100%. And I maintain that that is one of the worst songs of, of truly, truly of all time. Well, let's let's go to what you consider one of the best songs that you've heard. Let's let's make good on Jesse's promise and play the folks a little clip of Sam Hunt's uh, very successful most recent single, uh, "Body Like a Back Road," which has gotten Jess over her single-handedly gotten Jess over her concerns about country music's objectification of women, which is a very real problem. Sam Hunt did it. He did it. Let's, let's play the clip. Got a girl from the south side Got brazen hair First time I've seen her walk by And I about fell up by my chair had to get her number It took me like six weeks Now me and her go way back Like Cadillac 6 Body like a back row Driving with my eyes closed I know every curve Like the back of my hand Doing 15 and 30 I ain't in no hurry I'ma take it slow Just as fast as I can all right, so Jesse, how does that song make you feel inside? It makes me feel very good. Jess, how does it make you feel? It just makes me, it literally makes me want to get in my car and drive 15 and a 30. Like, you just don't <laughs> want to do anything else. We I, heard I that song if... for the first time on the radio, and we were immediately like, oh, this, this is good. I think, I think we could keep listening to this station. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Jess, but he's not actually talking about going 15 oh, and a 30 Oh, in a really, car. Steve? <laughs> Wait, Please, can you explain it? Yeah, can you explain I, it to me? I think it's a metaphor for lovemaking. I was going to say, if anyone's going 15 and a 30, even if I'm listening to that song, I'm honking. <laughs> What I think is funny, though, is you guys love that song. And Sam recently said that he's not going to put out an album. He's just going to put out single after well, single. he is going to put out well, an album. Well, he will put out an album eventually. Soon. But it's not going to come before his tour this summer, which... Which was, we're going to. Yeah, which we're going to. And I think everyone was shocked by that. Normally, you put out an album, and then you play it on tour, right? So he's not going to put out an album before the tour. He's just going to kind of release songs here and there, which I can respect and I appreciate. It's called the Keith Urban model. He just did that on his latest record. Yeah, and so thank you, Steve. You're yep. so you're so good for things like that. Yep, that's um, what I'm here for just to educate the. But public. what I think is funny is that I told you guys to go back and listen to old Sam Hunt, and you didn't like it as much, and I'm kind of hurt. Uh, I 
feel like I liked it. Fine. I'm not as critical of music as Michael is, though, so it's. I think it's easier he, to play. He just, I liked it. He just confuses me. I, I don't know where country is pop and where pop is country and where Sam Hunt's Drake and where Drake Sam Hunt. Michael got confused when he started to see pictures of Sam Hunt and realized what a bro he was. Then he that, felt very this, confused. This really, he's, he, he, his appearance totally uh, shocked me. <laughs> really? Is, I mean, it's not... I guess uh, I guess you're uh, you're uninitiated, but to most, the existence of bro country, and really not even the existence, the dominance of quote unquote bro country, uh, is just a reality of life in country <laughs> music right now, which you did I guess did not know. Which, but it's interesting to me that you did not like Sam Hunt because of his broish appearance, when in reality, but you did like like. Florida Georgia Line, which is like the broiest of the bro. But country. they're like country bro, not like Michael real likes bro. It's because it's <laughs> because the song Cruise uh, is it's just it's a great cut. Well, I, I, Nelly is everything well, from growing up. So. Well, he's not in the original, but if if someone chooses to do a remix and that remix includes Nelly. Then I like the track that they're on. Like I like the decisions they're making. I like, you know, like it's, a, it's that's a band headed, uh, maybe an outdated direction, but regardless, a very good direction. Well, I will say, I will, that's all fair. That's all fair. But I will say that the the artist that I think Michael has expressed the strongest affinity, and affinity is of is the PG way of putting it. Uh, for is actually another purveyor of at least not to like a Florida Georgia line extent, but another purveyor of of some bro country, and that is uh, is Mr. Thomas Rhett, Ooh. who Michael I think loves maybe more than Jess and his two children combined. <laughs> <laughs> we should really we don't need to do this now, but at some point in our in our life we have to talk about who loves Thomas Rhett more. You. Michael, me, I think Jess, you're on the Thomas Rhett train. Or Thomas Rhett's wife. I think or she's Thomas probably Rhett's wife. I don't place. know who loves who more. <laughs> I just want to give the I just want to give the listeners a sampling of Michael's uh, mini texts. I've just just for the record, I have copied all of Michael's texts into a Word document about country music and separated them by artist. And the texts about Thomas Rhett, there's like four times as many texts as about any other artist. So I'll just read these to you because they get progressed. You can see they're in chronological order and you can see Michael becoming more and more enthralled with this man as he goes, as he goes along. So just, just another reading quote, I'm fully willing to wear a white shirt riddled with holes like Thomas Rhett. That's a pretty. That's a pretty. He does have wear a white. His shirt. album. His, his, album, his album cover. cover. Yes, it's very right. attractive. So that's that's a fairly. It is a great shirt. It's a great. Well, it's, it allows you to see a little bit more Thomas Rhett. Than Looks good on him. Yeah, 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 exactly. But that's a pretty. Res- that's pretty restrained for Michael. Next, working out to crash and burn right now. I feel physically enlightened. <laughs> Quote. Crash and Burn helped me be... This is where it really starts to go off the rails. Crash and Burn helped me do 25 more push-ups. Super pumped. Major energy. My nips were rock hard. Great workout, thanks to TR. Wait, after we finish this, we have to play this song so people know what we're talking about. Quote, just re-listen to Crash and Burn. It makes me want to baptize my children in a Thomas Rhett t-shirt in a Tennessee river on a hot summer day. Quote... Craving you by T-Ret is fire, 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 fire emojis. Quote, 
early morning T-Ret gym session. I'll say it again. Great cut, all caps. That, Hashtag fully invested in T-Ret. That came at like 5.45 in the morning, I feel like, one day. That's what I woke up early. to. Never too early. Quote, this is, this is where we know we're really, really far off the beaten path. This one's a long one. So Quote, good. if I was at a T-Ret concert, I would rip my shirt off so quick as soon as he started playing T-shirt. Just like middle school house parties. At which point Jesse asked, what were your middle school house parties like? And Michael responded, oh yeah, I was shirtless 30 to 40% of every middle school house party. When Hot in Here by Nelly played, there was a 100% chance I was taking my shirt off. And if it played at a high school house party, there was a 100% chance I was wearing a throwback Knicks jersey with a matching hat and Air Force Ones. I've read these like five times and they're still funny. Jesse is crying. I I just regret this is the pre-iPhone age that there's very little evidence, but I I can confirm that this is indeed true. All of this is true. So before we talk more about Thomas, should we play the song? Yeah, let's let's give Jesse just like thirty seconds to recover before she like cries through the rest of this podcast. She's like wiping tears from her eyes. Jesse does not cry easily or does not laugh easily. So this is this is really something. She's just uncontrollably laughing. All right, let's let's play the clip. Let's play the clip. What, what should, what's not, well, I guess what clip should we play, Jesse? We have to Crash play and Crash and Burn. Crash and Burn. Crash and burn. Anything that Steve. makes Michael's nips hard uh, <laughs> needs needs to be played. So for our non-country music listeners, I hope you I hope you're wearing a thick shirt because this is Crash and Burn by Thomas Rhett. So Michael, are are you okay? Are you alive over there? Have you passed out from from just love? No, I'm 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 good. I'll probably listen to the song uh, when we're done. Uh, but I I would recommend to everyone out there, regardless of race, age, gender, political views, that song has the power to heal and bind. <laughs> <laughs> It's the one thing that can bring us together in these yeah. divided, polarized times. <laughs> I, even though the song is really about uh, crashing and burning, uh, just flip it around, and it has the power to do the opposite. So I, it's it's a great recommendation. I mean, it's it's like the war and peace of of music, and you, <laughs> it's uh, you have to invest yourself. But once you do, it's worth it. <laughs> so funny. I also think the, so. That song is really good. It's actually not my. Oh, Michael, are you ready for this? Not my favorite Thomas Rhett song. 
I know, I know. I think T-shirt is probably my favorite favorite Thomas Rhett song, followed by Die a Happy Man. Jess, I know oh, you like Die a Happy Man, I right? I love Die a Happy Man. Is I, it a girl song? Is it a girl thing? Like, uh, that well, song is amazing. We heard it for the first time in a, from when you guys sent us the country conversion playlist. That's what it's and, called. <laughs> And I immediately liked it. Just and I don't know if Michael liked it as much as I did, but it definitely is just like a sweet song for a girl. It's so and like you could tell. I don't he when he performs it live, like he wrote that song. You just like, want a man to sing that song to you. I know. That's I think how my exact words were to Steve after it's about death. Like, once once we became big fans of Thomas Wright, I was like, Steve, why didn't you write that song for yeah, me? Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, um, because I'm not a songwriter. Like and. It's been said that that, like, that song is, like, uh, there's only a few of those kind of love songs in, like, not a generation, but in, like, a decade. Well, to be fair, Thomas Rhett didn't even really write that song. He did write that song. Uh Don't say anything. Oh, no. Don't. Don't even. So... As we, as as listeners of this podcast know, I do have a thing for. I'm gonna go researching from happy crying tears to like sad crying tears right so now. So I will say this, Jesse Thomas Wright did does have a co-write credit on that song, but it was written with, and this is surprising, I think, um, especially because Michael, you've talked about how you don't like when country artists get too pop. Nope. Um, but a lot of the cuts on Thomas Rhett's record are actually co-written with pop songwriters from L.A. Um, and this one in particular is co-written by Sean Douglas and Joe London, both pop songwriters uh, from Los Angeles. Uh, so it wasn't really just Thomas no, Rhett writing lyrics. this sweet... Ri- no, are they, they are. He's writing those things about his adorable Sean wife. Douglas is a top liner, which means he brings in lyrics and melodies. Don't so. say these things, Steve. I'm so sad right now. We'll just let... We'll, and the we'll music video just... of them in Hawaii together, it's so cute. Okay. <laughs> don't, I don't even want to hear You can still else. love the song just as much, Jesse. Jesse, you can... It, it, he does have a co-write. If you want to believe that he wrote the lyrics, then you should believe I that. I don't think, know. I don't like have anything to dissuade you. Him and his wife you. are like high school sweethearts, like dated through college. Like, I'm going to think that he's been writing this song for like 10 years. Jesse gets maybe. really emotionally invested in these people <laughs> to the point that like when... I think we talked about it on the podcast when like Sam Hunt decided to like get back together with, with, his, Fowler. with his now wife. Jesse like was immediately super angry and then like I watched her go through like the stages of grief um, like over the course of like a weekend from like being super angry to then being in denial to then ultimately coming to acceptance which I think now you're like kind of a fan of her maybe I mean he's just so great I don't care what she does he's so great he can she can I mean as long as he puts out good music I don't care all right so I will say that I, as Michael, Michael has some very mixed views on country music. We talked about the people he really likes. Um, I guess the question is, there was also a lot of people you really didn't like. Um, who is kind of like, who are your, like, your least favorite uh, country music artists other than Dylan Scott, who made you feel like you committed a high school sin? <laughs> <laughs> um, Dierx Bentley is, is, a, that is at the top of the list. Dierx <laughs> Now, should we dip back into the Michael Michael yes. text database? This is the best. I, whatever I I don't text. remember what I texted, but I I I believe it 100%. Start us out, Steve. All right. <clears throat> Quote. We have very mixed feelings on Black, which is a Dirk Bentley song. 
I love the background. The instrumental is great, but his voice is not good. It's bad, bad. Which, okay, fine. You don't like his voice. but it, it, it can, It's acquired. I get it's that. It's acquired taste, but it doesn't stop there, as it never does with Michael. <laughs> um, quote, his voice makes my world go black and not in a good way. Sadly, different for girls, another Dirk Bentley song, is nothing short of shark bait. His voice makes me not want to have sex ever, ever again. He sounds like he's coming in and out of sleep. <laughs> End quote. Oh my gosh, I actually really like that album. I like the song Black and Different for Girls is is like one of my favorite songs on that album. So it's really here. Different for Girls is meaningful, I think, to Jesse and I because it was like this, when Cohen was really little and like wouldn't go to sleep and we'd drive around in the car. Um, he'd always go to sleep in the car and we'd always play Different for Girls by Dirks Bentley and it would put him right to sleep, which is probably a case in point for everything <laughs> Michael just said. <laughs> it sounds like he's coming in and out of sleep. <laughs> so funny. So I, I, funny. I, I, I just don't get it. I, I truly do not believe that he uh, possesses a good voice. I, I, does he? Am I, am I the one that's wrong here? I think a lot of people, I think he has like a very specific sound, what, what a lot of women like. I mean, he's definitely less bro-y well, and like I, more country, he's more less country. pop. He's definitely more country. Like well, he's kind of like a lot of the country, like on the, on the scale of country. There's like the pop people like Sam Hunt and Thomas Rhett and stuff. And then there's like the country people. And I think like Keith Urban and like Dirk Bentley are kind of the end of that that most people like. I think it's still hard for us to embrace the fully country sounding voices. Well, I feel fully vindicated because uh, Dierks is that, how do you say his name? Dierks? Dierks. Dierks. He completely vindicated my opinion when he botched the national anthem last week uh, for the Predators Penguins game. And okay, I'm let's just, get into this. Let's I'm just glad this. he was exposed for the fraud that he is because <laughs> I listened to that and I felt like I'm not the only one watching this thinking, who is this man? And I either want him to leave or slip on the ice and fall, like one or the other. <laughs> I just think he is not, he doesn't have the most, what's the word I'm looking for? What's that word? It's like. Polished? No, it's not a polished sound. I actually think the tone of his voice is not terrible. I just don't think he has the most versatile voice. Sure. I watched, so after you, after I got a text from Michael in which he said, did you watch the Dirk Bentley National Anthem? Bad botched job. Totally botched it. It was like, it was like as this has gone on, it's like I'm getting texts from Donald Trump about country music. Uh, sad. <laughs> totally botched. Fake news. Fake I'll, news, Dirks Bentley. Although I would definitely say bad exclamation point versus sad. That's true. That but I wouldn't watch the video after this. I was expecting like the worst thing, like Rosie O'Donnell singing the national anthem to keep it on the Trump, on the Trump train. Um, <laughs> But then I was like, yeah, that was just, like, kind of bad. Like, sure, it was, like, a little pitchy, and, like, he missed some notes. But overall, I was like, yeah, this is, like, just a standard, not great anthem. It wasn't, like, horrific. And it wasn't just you that thought it was horrific. It kind of, like, lit up social media, too. I just don't think he has, like, a versatile voice for things like that. I don't think that singing a cappella is made for Dirk Bentley. I agree. 
But I have heard that he is like one of the nicest people outside of Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman, who are like apparently the nicest couple who in Nashville. Who have you heard of in Nashville that is not a nice person? Just he always has the personal take. No, 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 no. But no, but I've heard that Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman are like the nicest couple in Nashville as far as like musicians and things like they're just so incredibly nice. And I've heard outside of them, Dirk Bentley and his wife, who I think runs marathons, they have like a few kids. She seems very The cute. more you know. <laughs> um, they are apparently really super nice. So he might not have a versatile voice, might not be good acapella, but he is a very nice human being. So that has to stand for something, right? Yes. Um, I guess so. <laughs> Je- <laughs> Jess, I know one of the folks that you mentioned as being among your least favorite, which breaks Jesse's heart... Uh, was Kelsey Ballerini. Yep, Kelsey Ballerini, one of the few female singers on country music radio in Nashville. Sadly, it, it's like so dominated by men, one of the first things we noticed. And then we finally hear a girl that wasn't Carrie Underwood, and <laughs> she was just really disappointing. Uh, I, <laughs> the first well, that song was we the Yeah was, Boy song, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah what boy. song did you guys... Well, I mean, you heard the wrong song first. They're, so you like that song, They all sound the same, Jesse. Jesse. They all no, sound the same. No, I actually work out to that song. <laughs> exactly, you like that one. You just imagine Jesse, like, pumping it on a treadmill and then, like, singing, like, Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like I her. I don't think it's that bad. I like her. I don't... I don't Jesse think... loves her. And I, I actually... Bef- I want to play... She just had a new song come out, and I, I want to play a clip and get people's takes because I think everyone on this on this podcast had takes on this but before we do that I want to just illustrate the difference in Jess's Jess's texts about artists and then Michael's texts about an artist (laughs) so Jess would say something like quote not sure how I feel about Kelsey Ballerini we heard her other song on the radio all the time yeah boy and not a fan which sure fair enough I get that then Michael chimes in (laughs) quote Kelsey Ballerini should put on a Mr. McGiblet's outfit with weights around her ankles and walk into a lake. <laughs> she is the human Sacco. Which somehow he managed to work in two references to obscure jokes from the league into a text about, about a 23-year-old female country singer, which is a, a human accomplishment that the world has never seen before. So let's just take a moment of silence for that. But just, just totally outrageous takes. Like you should be on, you should be on that Skip Bayless show that nobody watches on Fox Sports One. But just if there was a country music version of it, can we play yeah, a boy. little bit of? Can we play a little bit of Not Yeah Boy? Because that is not the first song that people should hear when being converted to Kelsey Ballerini. Can we play a bit of Legends? Legends. Okay, so Legends. It's Kelsey- her new song that I thought you guys were gonna like. New song just came out last week. Um, I think it's kind of the first single off her next album. Uh, let's, let's play a clip and then hear what people think. We were golden, we were fire, we were magic. Yeah, and they all knew our names all over town. We had it made in the middle of the madness. We were neon in a gray crowd.
So that's Legends by Kelsey Ballerini. Jess and Michael. Jesse, Jesse had sent this, uh, this song to us basically as soon as it wound up on the internet. She sent us a link to it. And I was like, I'm convinced that this was going to be the thing that won you over to Kelsey Ballerini. Um, and what did you think? Well, I feel like we were already tainted. Like we already didn't like her very much. So I was already convinced that I don't like her voice and I don't think her voice is very good. So then I was thinking that already. And I feel like you were kind of the same, right, Michael? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, the first experience was potent enough that <laughs> I didn't really want to go back there. It's like, if you have a bad experience at a place, you don't go back. You know, it's like, I hate cold water. If by chance I fall into cold water, all right, I can get up and dry myself off. But I'm never doing it again, like, ever. That, that's sort of a rule of mine. And I feel like that applies to Kelsey Ballerini. I, I just also feel like... Uh, there are much better female country artists. Yeah, and she's just hardly much country better. at all. She's hardly country at all. Sounds That's like true. I will yeah. give you that. I will give you that. So who, what, there is another female that in our, in our house, I'm Team Kelsey, and there's another female country artist in our house that I think now, Steve, you and the I'm really on. T- I'm really on two teams. Oh, whose teams are you on? Well, I've always been on, on one team. Uh-huh. And now I've recently added a second player to the team, I guess. And who's that second player? So the first player is... Casey Musgraves. Casey Musgraves. Good. Love, love. Good pickup. Good yep. team addition. Yep. She's, I, I've been on the Casey bandwagon for a very long time. Uh, and recently, in the last year or so, I've added to the, to the team, and it's good that they're actual real-life friends, uh, Marin Morris. Yep. I just I just feel like I have to be the Kelsey fan in this group because the three of you somebody all has Marin, to like bad news. Someone team, has to like Kelsey. Team Kelsey is Team Hillary. It's <laughs> it's done. It's it's over. It's, does that mean does that mean Marin and you guys are like Team Trump or are you going to be Team Bernie or yeah? That, I don't know if that works very well, Michael, but. We I'll, love, I'll gladly take it. I just Casey mean like it, I just mean like it's a you know it's like a it's it's, it's an outdated strategy. So what do you guys, I, I think, I just want to touch, ba- touch on what Jess talked about, how there's way more dudes on country radio, right? It's like 10 to, 9 to 1, 10 to 1 songs yeah. by guys to songs by female artists. Um, what about Casey Musgraves and Marin Morris, who are both kind of younger artists? Um, there's obviously the Carrie Underwoods and the Miranda Lamberts of the world who've been around a little bit longer. Um, Casey's been around longer than Maran, than Marin. She's kind of new. But what about Casey and Marin appealed to you guys uh, in a way that you know maybe female artists generally aren't appealing to other country fans? Oh uh, well, for one thing, they have good lyrics, original. Like we we're talking about their the storytelling aspect of country music, and some of it just feels kind of. Yeah, like Michael was saying, it could be talking about anything. Like there, I look over her. She's singing a song and then we're driving along and she's wearing a backwards hat, you know, but like Casey has great lyrics, merry-go-round, really original, um, and clever. The still, still storytelling, but like they actually use metaphors and things like that. That is a great. Does she write her own songs? Yeah, I mean, she co-writes all of them, but she's, she's, a, she's a really, she's a really good, good. She was a songwriter before she was a before oh, she, she was, was that an makes artist. Sense. She's really as was Marin. They were both songwriters before they were really? artists. Yeah, 
um, which is not an unusual um, path for a country star to take. Sam Hunt did the same thing. Um, but let's play merry-go-round because I think just give a little flavor of the lyrics that Jess is talking about because they are incredible lyrics. It did win that song did win the Grammy for best country song a couple years back because mm-hmm. uh, it's an incredible song. Um, so let's just let's just play a little snippet of my girl Casey Musgraves. Merry-go-round, you mean? The song is Merry Go Round, but she's oh, my, of your girl. I thought you were talking about the My Girl song from Dylan Scott. I was like, no, no, don't play don't that song. Do it. Merry Go Round. Okay, go ahead, love. Let's play it. If you ain't got two kids by 21, you're probably gonna die alone. That's what tradition told you And it don't matter if you don't believe Come Sunday morning You best be there in the front row Like you're supposed to Same hurt in every heart Same trailer, different park Mama's hooked on me So that's Casey Musgraves. She's amazing. The lyrics are obviously awesome. The melody, everything about Casey Musgraves is awesome. Michael, how do you feel about Casey Musgraves? Or Maren Morris, I guess. I like them both. And I think for the reasons that Jess said, I feel like uh, their lyrics are really good. Maren Morris has a song called My Church, which we loved as soon as we heard it. Um, And for me, what's interesting is I don't really realize it, but I guess I do listen to music more from male artists. Um, I, I just, I can't explain why just the bands I listen to that on Spotify and whatnot. Um, and I was sort of shocked with country music, how it is so male dominated, but yet how I really enjoyed the songs by women much, much more. And Marin Morris and Casey Musgraves, I listened to their albums, their full albums a few times. And to me, I don't know. There's just something, it just works better. I think maybe it's a, it's a little bit more folky. So it doesn't have like a country kind of twang to it. So it, it maybe backs a little bit out of country, brings a little bit of folk, a little bit of bluegrass in. And I think I like that music better than just straight, um, straight country. Fair enough. I, I probably am in the same, but I, I do like, a number of the male country artists out there, but my favorite artists are Casey Musgraves and, and Maren Morris. I will listen to both of Casey's albums and Maren's debut album, Hero, which I've talked up on this podcast before, all the way through, like, anytime. They're great, kind of top to bottom, great songwriters, great singers, great artists. Um, and I think I think there's some of the best artists out there in country music that, you know, a lot of the guys who are, you know, maybe more popular and get more radio airplay... Um, 
aren't quite in their in their league, or at least according to my my tastes. Um, Can we before? I feel like we have one more thing that we have to read and talk about briefly. Really, it's a question you need to answer before we head on to the next thing. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a, a text from Michael to you, Steve, and you need to answer it. I don't think you ever answered this on the text chain. Oh, Are I you definitely ready? did answer it. Are you guys ready? Yes. I think when so. When talking. <laughs> Steve, would you rather, who would you rather sing you to sleep, Blake Shelton or Sean Hannity? <laughs> I, I definitely answered that question. And the answer, I think I told Michael, was uh, Blake Shelton every time because Sean Hannity is a cretin that's not fit to build a home in the inner ring of Satan's anus. So Blake Shelton is kind of also the worst. He that is also the worst. song about sangria is the worst. Most of his songs are the worst. And he's probably and he's the like worst as a human being. And like terrible like he's no he's the worst he's just not <laughs> as the worst as the actual worst human being alive who may be Sean Hannity <laughs> I, I knew Steve's disdain for Blake Shelton because Steve is not Steve does not fire off rapid texts they are certainly not very long. You finish them with a period. Basically you use the capitals correct, of right? <laughs> I, I have I, I utilize very little filter, um, but <laughs> when Steve texted that Blake Shelton is the worst, I knew I needed to match him up against the worst of the worst and get a true gauge of how bad he was. And he, he can't be that bad, but the comparison is uh, to your point evil. So yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess the only question I have is, three weeks in, is this is this a thing that you're going to continue? Are you going to continue to to dabble in the country music, or have you decided that you're going to that you guys are just going to leave this as a as a brief fling in your life, where Michael, uh, you know, indulged his curiosities with with Thomas Rhett? <laughs> Me personally, I feel like if I'm going to jump into the jump into a metaphorical pool of country music. If I share that with the likes of Dierks Bentley, Keith Urban, uh, Eric Church, oh gosh, we haven't even said Eric Church. Um, like I am bound to drown. I, I cannot. I, I can't make that work for my for for me. But, and I I lean on you guys for this, by the way, because you have great access to great uh, to great songs. As long as Marin Morris, Casey Musgraves, Sam Hunt, Thomas Rhett. Like, if you can kind of lead me into that territory, then I think this could be semi-permanent to permanent. Can I say that? Wow. Yeah, wow. I think you can. I, I per- like it. Have- and I, I have, we, have, we haven't even said that if it's any indication that I like country more than I did before, uh, Jess and I did our very first exclusive uh, duet to my church where we actually sang... With harmony, uh, and guitar, and harmonica, and harmonica. It was, Who we, was we playing the harmonica? The that was good. I wasn't going to bring it up unless you guys did. But when you sent us that recording, I loved it. Who played the harmonica? Michael did. Um, <clears throat> but you, Michael. But it was as as an indication of how much we've we've Been come slightly converted. Slightly <laughs> converted. Um, we we wanted to indicate our our newfound conversion the most authentic, genuine possible with a little very cute marital duet. 
So to quote you, Michael, and when talking about Thomas Rhett, when are we going to go back to ne- to Tennessee on a hot summer day, and when are we going to baptize you and Jess in that white T-shirt that Thomas Rhett wears in your conversion to country music? Like next summer, maybe? Yeah, when we find somebody to watch all of our kids. Just take a, take a kidless weekend to Nashville. Yep. Yeah, I'm, will, I'm not opposed. And I will promise you, Michael, that we will not make you listen to Brett Eldridge music. As oh, part my. Of it. Oh. Just, to, just to close this segment out, because I think the best parts of this segment, honestly, have been reading Michael's texts. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just close it out with one more text about Michael's thoughts on Brett, El- Brett Eldridge, which are equally as explicit as the rest. <laughs> and I quote, Thank you for not putting Brett Eldridge on the playlist. His song, Something I'm Good At, is the absolute worst song I've ever heard. I would rather round second base with Cosmo the Cougar than listen to his music. If that didn't paint a a picture-perfect image in your mind, I don't know what else in the English language will. Um, But this has been been a lot of fun. We're going to have Michael and Jess stick around for one more quick segment. Um, But that... I'm glad to know that we've had, yet again, some more good and or bad influence on the Barnes family uh, and that you're joining us at least, at least partway, at least one foot uh, in the country music camp. So let's, let's, listen, let's listen to a little bit of our, our patented cheerful piano music here and then we'll be right back to talk uh, with Jess and Michael Barnes uh, for one more segment. We're back. One more segment with our good friends of the pod, uh, Jess and Michael Barnes. Uh, as we kind of mentioned, the whole genesis of the country music conversion process was a trip that you guys had taken to Nashville. And I think we neglected to mention that one of the kind of defining characteristics uh, of you guys as are in our little very small circle of friends that we have is that you guys travel a lot. You guys travel, I think, more than anybody I actually know in my life. You guys For sure. love to get out on the road and travel. Um, I, 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 that's not how I am. I don't even understand how that happens. Like, how is one's brain wired in this way? Like, I think we were talking to them on Saturday, and they were telling us their plans. You guys were telling us your plans for the rest of the year, all the trips you're going on, and this and that. And the look of exhaustion on Steve's (laughs) face from just listening to you guys was hilarious. It sounded horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think the first question for you, and we're hoping that you can shed some light on traveling um, for our listeners, is you have two kids, they're young. You traveled a lot before you had kids. And so it's no surprise that you continue traveling once you did have kids. But like, how do you travel with kids? Like, what are your tips? What do you do? How do you make it work? Because you guys make it work. And I'm always impressed with what you do. This is not just for the listeners. We're also accepting tips for ourselves in case (laughs) I ever get a lobotomy and decide that I want to travel a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Steve is going to take any of these tips. Um... Well, yeah, we traveled a lot before we had our kids. Um, We were married for almost five years before we had them, and we traveled all over the world, all over the country, and it's kind of, like, become such a huge part of our marriage and our relationship. Like, 
from planning the trips together and actually going on them and then talking about them afterwards, it's a huge part of our relationship. So it was sort of a scary thought, at least for me, of thinking about that part of our lives just having to end if we had kids. So we've sort of forced it on our kids and ourselves because we just don't want it to end. Um, But it's definitely a lot harder. And the main thing that we've learned traveling with our kids is you just have to slow it down. Um, my mom gave us the best advice when, because I lived in Germany and my dad was in the army. So we traveled all over. I grew up traveling all the time. And she told me she used to, with her five little kids, just plan one thing that for sure she wanted to do that day. And then everything else was just a bonus if they ever got to it. So I've sort of taken that to heart. And, um, so like on our Nashville trip, we sort of had one thing we wanted to do every day or like one or two restaurants we wanted to hit up and then everything else would just be kind of a bonus in between parks, splash pads, naps, that kind of thing. So um, that's what you really do. Cause it seems like you guys always do so much. It's really just like one thing a day, maybe two, if it's a good day. Pretty much. And sometimes that one thing is just a walk so that both kids will take a nap while we're walking. So uh, that's why cities always work really well for us because we can just pick a neighborhood and go on a long walk. And our two-year-old will always sleep in the stroller and our baby will always sleep like while she's being carried on me. So we always have to just plan like long walks. So our feet are usually exhausted by the end of the day because we walk a lot so that they'll sleep. (laughs) Wait, how do you look? Jesse and I don't travel a lot, but we have traveled a few times since having Cohen. We only have one, so we're not in the same league as you guys who are, you know, packing a double. But uh, how in the world do you fly with children? Because every experience I've had trying to fly with Cohen, particularly now that he has gotten older, has been hellacious. Yeah, flying... Flying is hard. Um, Most of our recent flights, though, have all been on the East Coast, so they're, like, under two hours, and I feel like that's really doable. We just bring lots of toys, lots of snacks. I've, for the past couple years, I've been breastfeeding a baby, and, you know, you can always just pop that out, and they fall asleep, so... <laughs> you that. actually gave me a really good piece of advice. You have like a bag that you with toys that you only pull out at like restaurants yeah. when you're traveling or for church. So they're yeah. like new and novel toys, which you told me that and I was like, that's brilliant. And so now that's what I do for Cohen for church and stuff. Yeah, but. I did a lot of research on things like that people bring on road trips or planes and stuff like that. Um, like little Melissa and Doug water coloring books or a little tin cases with magnets in them and our two-year-old Cal loves those things and he'll play with it for like an hour straight granted he's a very focused kid so not probably Cohen wouldn't do that but yeah you have really good kids if you have like several of those items and you can rotate them and uh we flew to Oregon for Christmas so across the country and I wrapped everything up like presents for him. And so when he was getting bored, like he got to unwrap a new present with something new, just cheap little, you know, dollar store toys even. Wow. So when you are planning trips, I know oftentimes you get your air, decide, you decide where you're going to go based on like a good flight deal, right? Basically. 
Yep. So you go, you kind of go wherever the wind takes you as far as location, although you probably do have, you, you know, you're not going there just because the airfare is cheap, but you're going there because you also want to go there. But like, like, how do you, from the time you get your airfare, or you're thinking about going somewhere until you arrive, like what's like the quick timeline of what you guys do to prepare? Because, because that's where I get over, like, like I would love to go on a trip, but it's like, I don't want to plan it. I don't want to be... Like, I don't want to have the stress of, like, deciding where to stay or... Jesse and I have been trying to plan, like, a four-day summer vacation for, like, three months now. And, and have not can. successfully made any progress. Because it's just, like, we're indecisive. And I know maybe that's just our personalities. But maybe it's because we're not, we're not very good at this. And I know you're really good at this, Jess. So, like, what do you... What's, like, your tried and tested um, timeline for planning a trip? Yeah, so obviously all the decisions uh, once you've decided where to go, or it's it's pretty time-consuming. Um, Michael and I usually have an idea of some places that we want to go, um, and uh, we've done road trips. At this year we have the Southwest Companion Pass right now, so I get to fly free with Michael through the rest of the year. So we've been trying to max that out, and we just basically pull up where Southwest flies and have picked places that we're interested in. So Nashville was one of those. So, um, once, so like, for example, that Nashville trip, we booked it. We, Michael had Memorial day off. So we decided to go then. And what most people don't think of doing, but we swear by it is guidebooks. I get a guidebook for everywhere we go. Sometimes I buy them if I think we're going to be using it a lot or might be using it again or check them out from the library. But I read the whole thing on wherever we're going. Um, whether it's Europe or I have the big USA Lonely Planet guidebook and I read everything in there. Um, and are those like outdated? Like, do they print new ones? Like what if they always, yeah, they come out with new editions every year or every couple years or so, but it doesn't matter. Our, our USA guidebook we got when we drove across the country to move to Washington, DC. So six years ago. And I still use that one. I mean like highlights of a city don't change change. too dramatically. Like, if we go to Charleston, we're going to go and eat and do a lot of the same things we did when we went there three or four years ago. Because yeah. the restaurants are still there, the parks are still there, the sites are still there. Yeah. So they don't really... I feel like we haven't run into any situations where a guidebook's been outdated and led us astray. Right. It's not, like, time-sensitive information. When you say guidebook, I just assume, like, pre-internet days or, like, <laughs> right. anyone over the age of, like, like a, lot of, a lot of people do. Exactly. So that's why I would always recommend Lonely Planet. Photos and Fromers and, like, um, Eyewitness, I think, are sort of for an older crowd. But Lonely Planet is absolutely for young people. It's, like, written by young people, has, like, millennial language. Um, they always list cheap hotels, hostels, that kind of thing. So I love Lonely Planet. It's the only one we use for the U.S. And, um, yeah, we reread it every, everywhere we go, and we take it with us. Um, so I usually read the guidebook sort of have a general idea of some things I'd like to do and think of like how much time that would take in each place. After that, Michael starts doing food research. That's like absolutely his domain, food research. Yep. And how does that happen, Michael? Like, is it from the guidebook? Or are you just Googling things? Like, how do you find <clears throat> the best place? Because that's the thing. On like, TripAdvisor? Like, like what do that you do? would be the thing I would be most actually interested in. So now, <laughs> if I do go on vacation, I just want to like 
eat and be entertained. That's all I want to do. I don't want to actually go see things. I want to see like one thing a day and I just want to eat good food. You're so like I, a small child. Yeah, Which so is how a lot of times what we end up doing. Seeing right. one thing and then eating. Right. So <laughs> I like so so what I do is first of all, I second Jess with Lonely Planet. I it, it's I mean guidebooks are kind of pre-Twitter. Uh, a lot of people want to look up 10 best things to do, five best things to eat, you know, because it's a lot easier that way. But uh, like the very existence of Lonely Planet are travelers who their profession is to find out everything possible about a place and then pass on the best parts to us. So their food recommendations are actually really, really good. I will also kind of go through all the major TV series, whether Food Network, um, Anthony Bourdain, because uh, a lot Don't of times, say Guy Fieri. Oh, we do Guy Fieri. Er, triple, triple D. D. <laughs> uh, I I I will say this: he does take you to a lot of really good places, but I've had some hit or miss experiences with the places he's recommended. But in general, like for example, my sister gave me a book for Christmas two years ago called Where Chefs Eat. It's a big orange book, and you can find it in almost every bookstore. Um, but it basically are recommendations by chefs in the area. Uh, you can also, I like to go on local websites. So when we went to Miami, I would go to, um, I don't remember the name of the Miami newspaper, but I go to their dining section, um, like on the local newspaper and read about what the local people say about certain places. So I like to mix sort of like national critics and what they say about certain places, complement that with, sort of the local journalism, the local sites, the local lists, and then from both kind of figure out what works with our travel schedule and what doesn't. Wow. And Michael will end up making a Google map with all the food places he wants he wants to go to. So we have that Google map, and then depending on how big the trip is, I'll make up like a schedule of things of the day and that we can just bring with us, so like right. including our flight, hotels, Whatever, so we kind of put those together. So I, I don't do that for every trip. I was gonna say, it's, it, so it's very planned out. Like you guys it's go very, into it. Um, just, not just, all of them are very planned out though. Like Nashville, we weren't really planned out. Our, our Europe trips, I always have a schedule like that. But the one thing that I think people get hung up on is what you said, Jesse, is like reserving hotels, um, and that is pretty daunting. Or people just in general like to make all the reservations ahead of time. Yeah. But we hardly ever make our hotel reservations ahead of time. Never. What? Um, yeah. Never. <laughs> so make- you went to Na- wait, wait, wait. Is this just international or is this for domestic too? Both. Both. Yeah. Wait, so did you go to Nashville without a hotel? We, we had one the first night. Yep. And then Because we were planning that. on going to some other cities and then we changed our mind because it was going to be too ambitious with the kids. So we just decided to stay in Nashville the whole time. So then we had to get another hotel. But... Um, uh, that was sort my of, mind is blown right now. <laughs> no, that was sort of a different situation. But like a lot of times we just don't have an exact schedule and we kind of feel like, well, we might end up really liking the city and wanting to stay there longer. So why not leave ourselves some room for spontaneity? And like there's always hotels that you can get last minute. And sure, we're, we pretty much never stay, stay in Airbnbs because we never plan out far ahead, far enough in advance to get Airbnbs. But we sure. use like hotels.com and you can get stuff at the last second and you spend 10 nights on hotels.com and you get a free night. So like we just use a free night in Nashville. 
you know, wait, things wait, wait, like wait. that. So do you, are prices for hotels like the day of or three weeks in advance about the same? It's, it's pretty, yeah, pretty normal unless uh, like, gosh, like we went to Philadelphia spur of the moment. We decided to go up on Saturday morning and spend the night and we got a hotel, a Hampton Inn that night was like 80 bucks. We did have to drive like half an hour outside of the city, but for us, it's like no big deal. Now, this being said, we were just recently in Belgium, tried to do this, and then ended up in Germany with no hotel <laughs> at midnight, and then it drove backfire. and then went from Germany to somehow in the Netherlands. We, we, we had three different languages in like an hour, uh, and then we made our way back into Belgium to yeah. find a place. So I, I, we have like a 95% success rate. But in hindsight, we've had a couple bad nights. A couple bad nights. Uh, but in all the nights you've traveled, that's pretty avoided. good. Yeah. It's easily, easily avoided. I mean, like, yeah, probably with a child in in Belgium, Germany, Netherlands, that might have been good to do a little bit earlier than like eight p.m. Yeah, the night we just of. Did it too late. But if what we you just described, morning, what you just described <laughs> is my like worst Steve nightmare. Steve would have like Being gotten on a stuck, flight home and left me there. Being stuck in a country where I can't speak the language and no one understands me. Well, they all speak and, English. Well, that's fair, but. It, <laughs> Just the idea of being stuck in a country where I can't speak the language and I have nowhere to go and I have no good options for how to, for <laughs> where to go. That you sounds, would not be laughing like they are. I would not be laughing about it. Maybe well, like 30 years down the road, I would think it was funny. I think the central thing is, and by the way, I was never that into traveling before Jess. I, I really had not traveled all that much, but because Jess and her family have traveled so much, that was something that she wanted to do with me. And I grew to love traveling and I love traveling, but I think a lot of people when they travel or they go to Paris or Rome, they have like sort of a checklist mentality of gotta see this, gotta see that. And if you approach sort of a new place, a new people, a new culture fixated on bullet points, then I think you miss out on a lot of the things in between and what Jess does a good job at is be, because we'll, we'll slim down our list of absolute things to do, we end up having finding a, an open cafe with lots of people. We can chat for, with people for a little bit. Um, it, a little bit of spontaneity helps you enjoy the experience. And when you travel, like when you go to Paris, it's not just about going to the Eiffel Tower, right? It's observing the people the things they wear, the food they eat. Uh, in Amsterdam, we were blown away with how people bike. And there's just so many things you can pick up on traveling if you kind of lose that checklist mentality. Yeah, brilliant. So, so one <laughs> final question, and then we'll let y'all go to bed since I'm sure your kids will be up early in the morning. Um, and it's actually a three-parter. Well, so, they, well, they won't. I'll be up earlier because I'll be at the gym with Crash and Burn. <laughs> yeah, every single... <laughs> Pushing out another 25 push-ups. Oh, tomorrow. Hard he, nips. He's, he's going to give me 50 tomorrow. I feel it. <laughs> After the inspiring conversation we've had tonight. Um, so three-part question to each of you. What's your favorite place that you've gone, like your absolute favorite place you visited? What's been the most surprising place, like maybe a place you weren't that excited or didn't think would be that great but then was really awesome? And what's 
what was like the most disappointing. Um, so like, you know, you thought it was going to be really cool and you're like, ah, that wasn't that great. So let's go in reverse order. Most disappointing, most surprising, and then end on a good one with what's your absolute favorite place that you've gone. And this could be international, U.S., whatever. <sighs> the, that hasn't met our expectations. Yeah, disappointing. Like, we love every trip we go on. I can't, not even one comes to my head where I feel like I was disappointed by something. Like, like in guys... all honestly, honesty, Nashville might have been a disappointment simply because we, we had, had kids. our kids with us. And, and that is not know, a kid city. We didn't know what, like, it was such a nightlife city. Mm-hmm. And there also wasn't really, it's not a neighborhood, or it's not a city to walk around cool neighborhoods and stuff. Like, so it was just really hard to figure out what to do with our kids, how to get them to sleep when they were fussy and we couldn't do anything at night. So we had to take turns like staying at the hotel with sleeping kids and one of us going out. Um, so it was like kind of a learning trip for us. And I think we did feel a little bit disappointed by it. Even That's though why we're going to have to go really back. That's, That's why, why we're going to go back without Nashville the kids. Kids. Yes. Yeah. Nashville kids. Yeah. Nashville 2.0. Yep. Has no to be kids. done. Okay, what about you, Michael? Any most most disappointing city, um, most disappointing trips? Kind of the same? And I, uh, Truthfully, I would say the same for the same exact reasons. I mean, like, every night at Nashville, one of us would put the kids down, the other would leave to go to some kind of music venue, come back late, and then we'd alternate night by night. And yeah. those were some of the best, maybe some of the best times we had in Nashville, and we just couldn't share them together. So I, I would second Jess. That, that was... That was a difficult trip with two kids. <laughs> what, what about the uh, the most surprising? Uh, you just didn't think was going to be that great, and then it, it kind of snuck up on you and was awesome. Um. Okay. Well, I'm going to do one, and I'm going to tell you which one to do. Pine Cold. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to dictate this one. Um, I'm going to say Portugal. We went to Portugal last summer. Mm. Um, another tip is follow the flight deal on Twitter. Another friend of the pod, Blake Banky, told us about this. And um, we've gotten so many cheap flights from following the flight deal. So we got tickets last summer to Portugal for $219 round trip out of JFK. Crazy. And um, I was, like, super pregnant. So <laughs> I was exhausted the whole time. But... Um, we just sort of went cause it was cheap tickets, but I didn't know anything about Portugal really. And I, I was sort of worried that I would be like, but I want it to be Spain cause I love Spain so much, but uh, we loved it. It was so cheap, probably the cheapest European country we've been to. Um, food was great. It was beautiful, beautiful beaches, little towns. We stayed in this tiny little town, all made out of stone, showed up there with no hotel, wasn't sure what was going to happen. Then we ended up getting this we got a room from a lady who was the was literally cooking something in one of the three restaurants in the town didn't speak any english yeah i walked in and i said cuarto for room and she just like put up a finger like wait a second came back out three minutes later took her apron off brought us to a room and told us it was 40 euros and it was amazing so um yeah that was a great trip all right what's my so then what's yeah. yeah so i would say um, everyone that I know who's been to Charleston raves about Charleston. We absolutely love it. It has this old antebellum feel. It's really colorful. It's kind of Mediterranean. There's palm trees everywhere. 
it's pretty small and manageable. You have the old historic area, and then it kind of goes into like a nice glitzy area. The food is amazing. And what we discovered the last time we went is they have amazing beaches. Um, and I just, growing up, I, I don't know if I could have shown you on a map where Charleston, South Carolina was. And maybe the only thing I'd have known about it was Fort Sumter, Civil War, but that that might rank among our top cities in the entire country. And I I would not feel guilty at all going back all the time. It we, at, Anyone that hasn't been to Charleston, it, that's a trip that has to be made. It, at night, it's kind of dark and they have like the oil lamps. So it feels just like you're going back in time. Yeah. Great, great city. Yeah. Well, as you guys know, that's the city that Jesse and I have been uh, yep. fruitlessly trying to plan a trip to. <laughs> Which I sent you. The flight deal had cheap tickets. I know you sent me that link today, and I was like, finally, we finally have to do this. Well, no, it's not that we've been like trying so hard. It's like one night we started planning it, and it was late, and we were tired, and I went to bed. Like, I just... <laughs> and it hasn't happened since. I can't even like decide what we're going to eat for dinner tomorrow night, let alone like plan a trip. It's just, it takes, so it th- does take a lot of time. I'm just so indecisive. Yep. Fair it enough. takes a lot of time. All right, All right close us close out. out. Favorite place that you've gone, each of you? Um, I'm going to have to say Spain for us. It was España. our first <laughs> international trip we ever took, married. Um, we both speak Spanish, and everything just went perfectly. Like, I sometimes feel like I'm not sure if a trip is ever going to go as well as that trip did. And... Um, I love the culture. I love how everybody stays out late and everybody's so social and stores are open late. Restaurants are open late. You just go to different bars eating tapas. You can, everybody's happy to talk with you. Not everybody speaks English, which is kind of nice when you speak Spanish because you can kind of get to know the people a little bit better. Um, Southern Spain is beautiful, warm, uh, little towns, whitewashed towns, beaches, I just think Spain has everything, uh, and it was some of our best memories. <sighs> Should I say? You know, you know, I'll I'll throw one out there. I think one of my favorite big cities, and this might surprise you. I think Saint Petersburg, Russia. Russia. I really, I can't. The Kremlin. <laughs> the Kremlin has made an appearance on the pod. <laughs> Putin. I like. I it's it's hard for me to put into words, but it was one of the earliest trips I'd been on, and like from the moment that you get into Saint Petersburg, you are surrounded by the Soviet era buildings on the on the perimeter of the city. Well, because we had to take a uh, we took a cruise took trip a boat. There so that we didn't have to get a visa. We right. took a cruise from Helsinki. So you kind of take this like boat and then just these old, disgusting, fatalistic buildings and then you get into St. Petersburg, which is a city tourist area. Into the, yeah. the, the center of the city. Yeah. And there are canals, rivers, churches, old buildings and it has a very unique feel that I had never felt my before in my entire life because I've been to I've been to France, we have been to Spain, but like when you go to Russia and like Saint Petersburg and no one speaks English, it's it, for me it was kind of an out of body experience and I really 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 enjoyed it and I think that that might have been one of the turning points for me to enjoy traveling with you is uh, going to a place and just kind of getting lost in it and. 
figuring out how everyone around you is doing things and watching them get bread every single day because that's what they do, right? We don't do. And so for me, that was a window into a culture I had never really seen before. And it was like, okay, this is why you travel. This is why you do it. You just kind of leave yourself behind, observe and learn. And that left a very uh, lasting impact on me. And you came home and read lots of Dostoevsky. And I came here and I I read (laughs) lots of Dostoevsky, including Crime and Punishment, which for both of us, might be like a top three book. Yep, absolutely. I don't believe in books. You guys like need to do like one of those travel, not like Amazing Race necessarily, but like you guys need to do one of those like travel adventure shows because you would be so good at it because you're both very good at different things. That is true. Are you inspired now, Jesse, for all of this? Are we going to actually plan our trip now? I feel like Jesse and Michael always tell us about their trips, but like you more give us the travel log of the trips, not so much like why you travel and how you travel and what, you know what I mean? And I feel like I'm getting a new insight into it tonight, even though we've talked about this many times before. Well, good. Well, good. Yeah. We can help you plan your Charleston. Steve, are we going to go to Charleston? (laughs) Okay. Email us. All of your places and records. Aren't you guys going there this year? Yeah, Yeah. we're going to go for Thanksgiving. Guys, this it would take me less earlier. than fifteen minutes to tell you every place you guys to eat. You should go in the summertime. <laughs> they have other. They have like nineteen yeah. other trips planned in the summertime, Jesse. I know. I know. Um, is it warm there at Thanksgiving? We'll talk about this later, but it is. It is. I think. <laughs> spoiler alert! It is. <laughs> well, thank you. I guess let's wrap it. Thank you to Jess and Michael Barnes, the great friends of the pod for coming on tonight. We really, I think appreciated your tips on trips, but I think more than anything ourselves and our listeners really appreciated Michael's texts, uh, about country music. So I I just am glad I'm never going to run for like a political office because I do not want those things being on CNN. If I have my face on the screen, I'm in pretty safe professional waters. So I'm just glad that it's staying between us and whoever's listening to the pod, which is almost nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Barnes, the master of metaphor will not be exposed to more than, you know, maybe, you know, our our immediate families and like somebody who somehow stumbled across this on iTunes (laughs) looking for a cooking podcast. Um, All right. Well, thank you guys again so much for joining us. This has been really fun. You're great friends, great friends of the pod, great friends of us in real life. Uh, We're happy to have you. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, And for the rest of you who have been listening into this madness, uh, thanks for joining us. And we hope you come back next week or whenever we do the next one of these uh, for another episode of Dinner at Our Place.